G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to be talking about vaccine mandates seemingly entrenched in states and territories all around Australia and there remains a lot of questions about their constitutional validity and the subsequent creation of a two-tiered society. You've probably seen the mass demonstrations like the one in Canberra over the weekend where tens of thousands took part in the Canberra Freedom Convoy. Demonstrators held up placards saying things like End Tyranny, Free Australia and No More Mandates. Well, our special guests today describe the vaccine mandates as creating a fundamentally unfair and unequal society. They say it's a society where vaccinated people are privileged and the unvaccinated become second-class citizens. It's likely you know someone who's been excluded from the activities of normal life or lost their jobs because of their vaccination status. Well, a new book by two of Australia's most respected legal academics discusses mandates in light of the rule of law. Their book is called Emergency Powers, COVID-19 Restrictions and Mandatory Vaccination, A Rule of Law Perspective. Two guests to introduce, Augusto Zimmerman is Professor and Head of Law at the Sheridan Institute of Higher Education. He's also Adjunct Professor of Law at the University of Notre Dame Australia, Sydney campus. He's a former Law Reform Commissioner in Western Australia. Augusto Zimmerman, a special welcome along to 2020. Well, Neil, it's a great pleasure to talk with you again. And our other guest sitting with me in the studio, Gabriel Mowens, AM, is Emeritus Professor of Law at the University of Queensland and served as Pro Vice-Chancellor and Dean of the School of Law at Murdoch University. In 2003, Gabriel was awarded the Australian Centenary Medal by the Prime Minister for Services to Education. Gabriel Mowens, special welcome along to 2020. I'm delighted to be here. Let me start with what has been in the media. Front and centre, and some are critics of the way the mainstream media seems to have covered this, but the Canberra Freedom Convoy, it seems to show that the mandates are much more than people can tolerate. Augusto Zimmerman, let me come to you first. You've been following what's been happening in the media around mandates. Uh, are people... At the end of their tether, have they come to a point where they just will stand up and protest? There is no doubt that uh, we are reaching this uh, tipping point. And you see, for instance, what's uh, currently taking place in Canada. We don't want uh, this to uh, be repeated here in Australia, where the country has quickly descended into a form of elected dictatorship. And the protests in Canberra are appropriate because ultimately the Prime Minister, being the national leader, he had the constitutional tools, as uh, Professor Gabriel Moyes and myself explained in his uh, book, to um, uh, put an end to this whole 
as I would describe, um, madness even, where some people, as we mentioned in the book, are being treated as second-rate citizens. Gabriel Mowens, people who are, and uh, from what I hear, uh, not people who are necessarily from Canberra, lots of people from around the nation converging on the national capital, out on the streets, at the end of their tether, there's there's nothing more they can do. Some of them victims of these mandates. What were your thoughts overall on those well, those protests? Well, obviously, it is a worldwide development. We have seen it in Canada. We see it in Australia. We see it in many European countries. Uh, people insist on having their rights respected by the governments. And governments have adopted, embraced dictatorial, authoritarian regimes and attitudes that have introduced measures which uh, attack violently sometimes the rights and, and of people. And, and obviously, as a consequence, people will rebel. However, I would also like to say that we are still talking about a minority of people who want to uh, uh, protest against the government mandates, you know. Uh, There are still many people, perhaps a majority, who embrace the narrative of the government. Indeed, uh, one could say that the majority of Australians slavishly adopt the narrative of the government and therefore won't uh, rebel against what is happening in Australia. But of course, what we have seen in uh, Canberra and and in the United States and in Canada is an indicator of uh, the kind of society we live in today. Gabriel, stay with you for a moment here. Uh, The way that Australians are adapting the way that these mandates are happening, accepting those uh, as though this is the way a government ought to govern, uh, taking things on the chin, the expectation that those who are in power are the good guys and have our best interests at heart. What I can hear you saying here, and when I hear you and Augusto use terminology like uh, dictatorial and authoritarian, uh, that's something that we've somehow rather come to expect. Australians perhaps are accepting these things far too freely. What are your thoughts? Well, interestingly, yesterday I had a discussion with uh, one of my neighbours and uh, she told me that it is always important to obey government commands. So I suggested to her perhaps it is important to become a little bit more critical to think about the consequences of what is happening in Australia. As we all know, billions, perhaps trillions of dollars are being spent and somehow somebody will have to pay for it in the future. And we have already seen during the last couple of weeks, you know, that inflation is skyrocketing in Australia. And uh, all of this has led to dislocations, closing of business. Uh, 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 people are not able to uh, access elective surgery. Uh, it, it is mayhem. And, and I think we have never seen this before in Australia. So my message is that people have to think critically. But of course... I'm asking a lot of people because thinking is a very difficult art, as we all know. Augusto Zimmerman, uh, let's talk about thinking. Let's talk about mandates. Uh, Let's talk about Australians, (coughs) because here we are uh, talking to a Christian audience today. Christians will say we are good citizens. We don't uh, get up in arms and we don't protest unnecessarily, but there is a point where if you are thinking critically, you must speak up. Any thoughts on that? 
Well, that's the the, the point, Neil, that um, we are willing to obey government, but uh, the government needs to be under the rule of law. Uh, We are not uh, supposed to be uh, obeying arbitrary uh, dictates that are in constant violation of basic principles of the Constitution itself and even ultimately undermining the protection, the legal protection of fundamental rights and freedoms. Uh, The law itself was made to protect these rights and not to undermine them. And what we have is something that is far departed from a Christian perspective of government, where the purpose of government is not to bring the enslavement of the population with the consequent undermining of the basic rights of the individual. And the mayhem that... um, Professor Moyes uh, mentioned, Gabriel, uh, it's already happening in large scale here in Perth, where when I went to the supermarket yesterday, I could barely find some uh, products uh, on the shelves. And if you walk uh, on the streets of Perth City, CBD, uh, it is an apocalyptic scenario now where we are surrounded by desperate people beggars, um, homeless people, and the commerce is obliterated as a result of these uh, totally arbitrary measures uh, uh, passed by this uh, dictator uh, who is called Premier here in Western Australia. So it's a great tragedy of uh, apocalyptic dimensions that are taking place, that is taking place now at the moment here in Western Australia. Augusto, it's a dimension we're not exposed to in mainstream media, what things look like on the streets in towns and cities in Western Australia. You're describing something very serious, and while the image that we get in other states and territories, apart from WA, might be that uh, everything's rosy in Western Australia and everyone's protected from COVID-19 and uh, isn't the Premier like a, a, a wonderful... A father figure doing all sorts of good things. You're saying it's not like that at all, and you're in WA. Yes, indeed. And uh, he has just allowed uh, uh, two football uh, teams uh, to come to Western Australia without any uh, border restriction or subjecting these players to quarantine. But at the same time, when I went to Port Hedland about three weeks ago, I had a conversation with a husband who doesn't, uh, and the father, by the way, happens to be both, who doesn't really see his wife and children for more than two years because uh, they went to spend holidays in Bali and they are still finding it very difficult to return to Western Australia. This is such a cruel thing to do. And there are many similar reports of people who have been uh, separated from their loved ones for uh, more more than two years now. So uh, this is leading to uh, all sorts of mental issues uh, where people can, in a state of desperation, even end up uh, doing uh, silly things and committing even suicide. So I would not be surprised if there is um, a rise of uh, this sort of um, uh, incidents where people are taking their lives here in Western Australia out of desperation, losing their jobs and not even uh, being able to um, buy certain products because they are, have, they are now being uh, forbidden to do so. Uh, for instance, if you are not vaccinated, not only you lose your job, but you cannot even buy a drink in a liquor shop because it's also forbidden. So this guy is really provoking 
uh, a strong reaction. And he is, objectively speaking, a very um, ruthless dictator. We need to put an end to this thing because it is destroying our society and he must be stopped. Gabriel Moens, you can hear what Augusto Zimmerman is saying about the Western Australian Premier. Mm. So much of the media... Uh, narrative that we'll hear is that all this is for our good. Uh, these premiers are keeping us safe. Uh, all of these other things are side issues. Uh, what do you think about what's not just the Western Australian Premier, but perhaps the premiers and the chief ministers in general, the way that they are conducting themselves uh, according to the things that are happening and the threat of COVID-19, the safety of the people, and yet our rights being trampled? Well, looking at what has happened during the last couple of years, it is clear that the media is supporting the government narrative. And uh, obviously the media is constantly hammering the message that we have to protect the health of people. Health trumps everything, you know. Every other right is trampled upon, uh, could be violated, could be breached at any time with impunity. Um, even the Premier of Victoria told us a few months ago, uh, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the rights? We are talking about the health. We are talking about the lives of people. Now, what is important in a society that is ruled by, by that is ruled by the rule of law is that we have to balance all the rights with each other, and we have to be able to build a structured society where all rights can coexist with each other without any problem at all. But uh, talking about the WA, there is one point perhaps uh, that uh, Professor Zimmerman could have told you, but he did not. Uh, he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, a couple of days ago, the, uh, the police in Western <coughs> Australia uh, checked uh, whether people adhere to the mask mandate in the church during a church service. And therefore, the church service had to be interrupted for quite a bit of time. Now, this is an egregious violation of the rights of people. Can you imagine the impact of spot checking on freedom of religion in Australia? I have never heard about this before anywhere. Uh, uh, this is just horrible. These things that become an incremental impact on the society that we live in, an impact on our rights and our privileges as a free nation. Augusto, you were going to contribute there. Uh, just quickly, yes. your thoughts for what's happening so far as churches in Western Australia. Yeah, you see that um, uh, we have even appointed, uh, not we, uh, I'm not responsible for this act of tyranny, but the Premier is, and his government, he has created this uh, role of the vaccine commander. Um, and this person is taking his job very seriously. But he, uh, until quite recently, happened to be, because they have replaced him with a person who happens to be probably even worse than him, but he was the police commissioner. So we have the police commissioner taking the role of commander. Uh, the word commander, according to the dictionary, means the head of a military operation. That is objectively speaking a manifestation of a declaration of war. So what the governments are doing by creating this role of the commander is at least being honest enough to say that they want to destroy people's lives because otherwise the position would not be called of a commander. 
So we are actually uh, being destroyed by our own governments. And we have to really uh, go back to the basics and, and understand that um, on the grounds of protecting people's health, we had in the past uh, governments acting in a totalitarian even fashion. So we are taking the risk of never ever re have our rights returned and the institutions being reestablished if we allow the government to continue on this path that leads to destruction. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Christian Radio. Well, an important conversation today and our talkback line is open. You might feel as though you've got a contribution to make. 1-800-316-316 might be a question, might be a comment, might even be a critique for the conversation today. Maybe you're thinking, this can't be happening in Australia. Well, 1-800-316-316, we are talking about a new book. It's just been released. It's called Emergency Powers, COVID-19 Restrictions and Mandatory Vaccination, A Rule of the Law Perspective. The two authors of that book are our special guests today, Professor Gabriel Mowens and Professor Augusto Zimmerman. Let's come to this thought around the rule of law. And Gabriel, if I come to you, this is something that, you know, sometimes we say those words, the rule of law, and uh, we don't always know exactly what that means. It's a fairly simple concept. I'm sure it's much more complicated than the simple concept, but it is about the equality of all people, whether they be rich or poor, rulers or workers, under the same law. And this is something that you're seeing as being violated right now. Well, it is a simple concept and at the same time it is a very complex concept and it is a concept that uh, we talk about in the book at length. It is a major contribution to the book made by Professor Augusto Zimmermann. Essentially, simply explained, it is uh, a principle of legality. It is a principle according to which, you know, the governors and those who are governed uh, should be treated equally. The governors and the governed should all be subject to law, not to the rule of man. That is essentially what the rule of law is about. Uh, ultimately, when you come to think about uh, the concept of the rule of law, it is about the protection of the basic rights of individuals, and they must be protected by an independent judiciary with authority to invalidate legislation which uh, uh, breaches the rule of law principle. Well, I don't think we need to look very closely to see that those sorts of rights of individuals yeah. are being systematically violated by every area of state and uh, territory law mm -hmm. that's being led by those, the leaders of those states and territories. Um, Augusto Zimmerman, sometimes we connect the rule of law with what our Australian constitution might set out as protections for us. How do you recognise the rule of law and our Australian constitution, the violation of the spirit of what's in that constitution and the freedom for Australians? How is that being upset? How is that not being enacted in the way that it uh, might have been originally intended? Well, as uh, Professor Moyes uh, spoke so properly, um, the rule of law is about the fulfillment of certain elements of legality. 
which certainly includes the idea of uh, the equal treatment of individuals, especially when it comes to the political class, that these um, elements in the society, they actually servants of the people and not to be regarded as above the law. Another thing is, of course, the fact that you need to have an independent judiciary. But there is also a very important element leading to the realization of the rule of law, which is called legal stability. The rules must be, first of all, not attempting against these inalienable rights of the individual, because the whole purpose of having a legal system is the protection of the fundamental rights of the individual, but also that these rules must not be changing all the time. They must be stable, and they have to be properly discussed in the proper arena, which is the parliaments uh, in this country. So what's uh, taking place at the moment is uh, the fact that um, uh, a cabinet of ministers, in particular uh, the premiers and the prime ministers, are acting dictatorially, and they're creating rules by means of executive diktat which is the proper behavior of a totalitarian authoritarian regime, but it has nothing to do with the um, institutional framework that has been established by the constitution of this country. So the constitution of Australia is being in the process of uh, becoming completely um, inoperative as a result of these excuses that are given on the grounds of emergency powers being necessary to fight the so-called pandemic. So that's the main problem where um, we have neglected to protect the rule of law and to have a proper regard for the role of government in society, which is ultimately to not undermine these rights, but to be instruments of protection for these rights. Gabriel Moen's the thought of inalienable rights, uh, sometimes we can think of that as being an Americanism. Does that apply in Australian law as well? Uh, do we have these, they don't need to be written about, they don't need to be codified, they just are laws, and I imagine we could get to a Christian conversation about saying those are laws under God that give us that equal uh, value of each individual. But is this an Americanism that we can apply to Australia? To some extent, it is an Americanism. Uh, the United States Constitution, of course, contains a Bill of Rights, which was uh, uh, appended to the Constitution three years after the adoption of the American Constitution. Of course, you know as well as I do that uh, we don't have a Bill of Rights in the Australian Constitution. We only have Section 116, uh, which prevents the, the federal government from adopting a law that prohibits, for example, freedom of of religion, but not freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is an implied right, which is implied into Section 7 and 24 of the Australian Constitution. But you see, in answer to your question, I would like to say that in Australia, there is this idea that the government is the entity that grants or gives rights to people, you know, and that is becoming clear during the pandemic. But if it is the government that grants rights to people, then the government is also capable of revoking these rights at any time it wants to revoke them. You see, the problem is that we do not have the concept of natural rights in Australia, namely rights which exist 
prior to and independent of the government. Uh, and if they were to be independent of the government, and if they existed prior to civil society, then they would automatically have to be respected. Now, we have this uh, positivist idea that laws and rights are given by the government to the people, and therefore they can easily be revoked when the government wants to revoke them. That's the problem. And that is a problem that is apparently happening right now. Can I say something? Yes, Augusto. Yes, it's just about uh, the fact that governments, they can have a right to enact emergency powers when there is uh, a need for such a thing under extraordinary circumstances. But the um, use of emergency powers must be temporary. They cannot be constantly renewed because otherwise you're repeating history because that's uh, precisely what took place in a certain European country in the 1930s. So even international law recognizes that uh, under these extraordinary times, the government can suspend these um, uh, rights for a very short period of time because they are considered to be, according to international law, they, 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 the term is not inalienable. They use the term non-derogable rights. And um, and these rights are acknowledged, and I know that so many uh, politicians in this country love to appeal to international law in order to undermine our sovereignty. So they should have to pay attention, I guess, at the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which actually opens, um, the document is open in its preamble, with the idea that the role of the rule of law is the preservation of these fundamental rights of the individual, even stating in that particular preamble of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that um, everybody is uh, having this right to resist tyranny and oppression and that these human rights should be always protected by the law and they should never ever be repealed or um, ignored by the authorities. So if the um, governments want to really pay a more uh, proper respect to international law, they would have to consider the preamble of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So an abuse of emergency powers, and we might get on to that in the next hour, but let's, uh, not too long out from news, let's take a call. Candice is in Albury, and uh, uh, Candice, welcome along. Hi. My, um, I just wanted to thank Augusto and Gabriel for their um, zeal in, in actually defending the rights of their neighbours. And um, I just want to thank them for that. Um, if we love our neighbours, we'll you. be jealous over their civil liberties. Um, yeah. Some of us can handle having our liberties taken away and um, quelt, uh, quenched. But um, a lot of people can't. And this is leading to a lot of uh, desperation in uh our neighborhoods where people are losing their jobs and, and um, losing their, losing their liberties. Um, so I just want to thank, I want to thank Gabriel and, uh, and Candace, for their, we'll for their just deal. accept your, uh, your acknowledgement there as a comment into our conversation today. And I know that both of these gentlemen accept that. Thanks uh, quite humbly. Let's take a call or two before we move into some other areas Welcome along to Melanie in Victoria. Melanie, welcome along. Um, thank you. Sorry. Melanie, what are um, your thoughts? Just, yeah, I've just got a question in um, for the men. What would they think would be the most productive line of action that um, an individual can take, um, you know, to make a stance 
against what's happening and also therefore um, as a church um, body as well. Professor Gabriel Mowens, what are your thoughts for The answer Melody? is very simple. Do what we are doing here in the studio. Write about the problem so that people know what is happening in Australia and talk about it uh, publicly. Freedom of speech is still one of the rights that we have got, I hope, and we have to be able to use it uh, and even to uh, manipulate it to our advantage. So we have to be willing to speak out uh, about these issues and communicate our thoughts effectively and compellingly to the world. Talk about it, write about it wherever you can. Melanie, thank you so much for your call. Let's see if we can take a few quick calls. Lorraine is in Perth in WA. Hello, Lorraine. Welcome. Lorraine, I can't hear you very clearly. Uh, you're on hands-free, I think. Can you pick up your phone? Okay, sorry. Is that better? Yes. What are your thoughts? Yes. Um, my, well, I just wanted to let people know on the East Coast what's actually happening in WA. Uh, we're not allowed into cafes if you're unvaccinated, this is. Um, not allowed into restaurants. Not allowed into um, the zoo. The zoo. Yeah. Um, not allowed into museums, cinemas, anywhere like that. But my, I, my husband and I went uh, as a safeguard, went to go buy some silver coins from the Mint the other day, and they wouldn't let us in. And then they, they said to me, this is not on the list of the places we aren't allowed to go, but it's, they said, you're not allowed into any government <coughs> department. So as well as all the things that we can't do, um, government departments are also taboo. So, um, <clears throat> Lorraine, you're enlarging on what Augusto Zimmerman was sharing. Augusto, mm. have you got a thought or two for Lorraine? Yeah, it is a, a, a total disaster. It's, um, it's very similar to what uh, the Germans experienced in the early 1930s when a certain class of people were considered to be too dangerous or uh, to the health of the community, and they were placed under similar restrictions where passports were given uh, to certain people and others were therefore forbidden to attend um, uh, coffee shops and restaurants and and uh, everything uh, was uh, uh, then uh, forbidden of them to do. And I think in this sense, it's quite right to say that history is repeating itself and you are seeing a similar uh, trend here uh, to take place in Western Australia, where people who are um, not um, subject to this experiment have been treated in a rather outrageous manner, and even uh, called all sorts of names by the Premier, who has started the process of dehumanizing and demonizing uh, certain people who uh, are not uh, willing to be subject to his arbitrary commands. Uh, he has called these people drop kicks. He has told that they have to grow a brain. Uh, he has started a campaign of dehumanization and demonization of those who oppose his tyranny here in Western Australia. And this is highly oppressive and destroying, objectively speaking, many people's lives. Lorraine, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your say. Michael in Toowoomba in Queensland. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hello, uh, Neil. How are you? Well, thanks, Michael. Um, I just want to uh, point out to you, uh, Neil, 
it wasn't tens of thousands. It's actually uh, estimated to be over two million people in Canberra on the weekend. I just uh, that's according to police reports. Uh, I just wanted to uh, put that out there for a start. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing that I it's in the east. We are not allowed. I'm a grandfather. I can't go out tonight with my granddaughter, who is seven years old today, uh, because I'm not allowed to go into the restaurant. Plus, mm-hmm. um, it's happening here in uh, in the east as much as it's happening in the west. This is a discrimination mm-hmm. as, that is supported by the church and mm-hmm. its supporters, including, mm-hmm. sorry, Neil, your radio station. Yeah. Uh, which has been quite divisive in 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 uh, families, in churches, and uh, the church has just sat on its hands and uh, quoted us Romans thirteen, which has been taken out of context. Uh, Michael, yeah, I can hear your thoughts. I can hear your criticisms. Uh, so far as the numbers go at the protest on the weekend, we can only be guided by what the media is saying, but there are images that we've also been able to look at, and uh, for most people that I talked to, the numbers were much, much, yeah. much higher uh, than were reported yeah. in most mainstream media. So far as uh, yeah. other issues there, let me ask you, I'll bring you, Augusto, a quick thought here for Michael. Well, look, uh, it is indeed a major problem when people start to... Uh, even in the churches, um, having a distorted idea about the role of government in society. And then you have the church endorsing the suppression of uh, fundamental rights. Um, As far as I know, uh, there are some churches who are now starting to request uh, uh, vaccine uh, passports in order to allow uh, people to attend the services. Uh, this is uh, an outrageous thing to do because it undermines the idea that we should never discriminate. Uh, that's what uh, the Lord instructed us, that we, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither female nor female. And as far as I know, that should be neither vaccinated or unvaccinated. Everybody should be treated with respect. And another thing is the role of the church to admonish the government when it um, uh, does something that it's not uh, in accordance with um, the dictates of Scripture, especially to be found, for instance, in Roman, Romans 13, when the Apostle Paul says that the role of government is to do good and to uphold the rule of law by doing good. But if the government is used as an instrument of oppression, it does the very opposite of what it should be doing, and um, it becomes arbitrary government rather than a constitutional government. Samuel Rutherford, in the 17th century, when he wrote Lex Rex, explained that the political power, whenever it is used to oppress the people, ceases to be a lawful power and must be resisted because it's a deviation of a lawful power. And we should have always this in mind. Michael in Toowoomba, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. We'll take some more calls if we can, but some important issues to continue to cover in our conversation today. Let me first of all come to the Prime Minister, who uh, just in these last few days uh, appears to have been backtracking 
on mandates, saying it was only supposed to be uh, for workers in high-risk situations with vulnerable people like frontline health workers. Uh, He's done nothing to stop premiers and chief ministers from mandating. Uh, Gabriel Mowens, if we're just uh, objectively talking about the Prime Minister for a few moments here, people will say the Prime Minister has given these mandates the green light, even though he's reluctant to connect himself personally or to the federal government to them. Yes, I I listened to one of the interviews of the Prime Minister and he indicated that effectively he can't do anything at all because in our federal structure, uh, this is uh, part of the power of the states, you know, so he can't do anything at all. Now, this is nonsense. The Prime Minister of this country, if he wants to unify the country, uh, has the ability to come up with a solutions. Uh, He could, Mm -hmm. for example, rely upon the external affairs power of the federal constitution, uh, section uh, 51 placitum 29, uh, to uh, Mm -hmm. make laws uh, which uh, provide for a unified, coherent approach, which is applicable to all states and all territories. He has the tools available, the constitutional tools. They have been used uh, many, many times in other contexts. And I can't understand why he is afraid to use them in this particular context. Of course, it goes back to the creation of a national cabinet way back in March 2020, when the prime minister effectively abdicated his power and gave power to the states, you know, to uh, uh, fight the so-called pandemic. So we should expect for the Prime Minister to come up with a solution to the problem. Uh, Some will say that's difficult because it seems like he's fanned the flames to make the problem in the first place. No, there is the external affairs power, as I have said, you know, uh, the federal parliament can make a law which provides for a unified approach for a common uh, federal uh, approach uh, to the fighting of the pandemic. And he has all the tools in his toolbox to, to fight the pandemic. A federal election is coming. Augusto Zimmerman, if either side were to come up with a solution that would override the states, would that give them advantage in the election? Any thoughts here? There, there, there is no doubt this, uh, this would be the natural outcome. And uh, Professor Moyes eloquently, because he happens to be uh, the leading or, or one of the leading constitutional law professors in this country referred to the use of the external affairs power and the fact that uh, the solution for the problem is not as difficult as the prime minister proclaims. Uh, to be frank with you, uh, his instinct, instinct, instincts tend to be quite authoritarian and the first reaction is always against freedom. We had this similar approach taken by him when Israel Falol uh, was uh, losing his job as a result of statements that he posted on his face, private Facebook directly quoting from Scripture. So we have this uh, a terrible situation of having a prime minister who claims to be a Christian but is unable to uphold Christian principles in posi- when he is in a position of authority to actually fix the problem that he has created, put an end to this madness, and um, dissolve this national cabinet that has no constitutional grounds to be created in the first place, and use the combination of the necessary heads of power, external affairs is one, 
perhaps even the use of inconsistency if a federal law clashes with a state law, the federal law must prevail at the extent of the inconsistency and restore the constitution of this country and give back to the people the rights and freedoms that he and the other politicians have stolen from us. Gabriel Mowens, the Prime Minister, must know that he has this power. As you say, it's actually not difficult. It should be fairly simple for him to enact this. Is there a movement on both sides of the chambers of the Parliament uh, that will be countering what the Prime Minister is able to do and, Mm. in fact, uh, reinforcing all of this overreach? Well, the Prime Minister has told us that he doesn't have the power, so I don't know whether he believes that he has or hasn't got the power. I can't read his mind. Uh, But Professor Zimmerman referred to the external affairs power, and I did too. Uh, There is another provision in the Constitution, namely the quarantine power, which also belongs to the federal uh, government, uh, Parliament, and this is also a power which possibly, potentially could have been used to deal with this uh, particular uh, pandemic. Um, I think uh, that uh, both parties will read from the same book when it comes to the election with regard to the pandemic. I don't think they have the courage uh, to to stand up uh, to uh, these uh, nefarious influences which are now invading this particular country. Augusto Zimmerman, are the legal advisers to the Prime Minister failing when they are uh, there to advise a way forward? Are they missing something here? Well, certainly uh, there might be a combination of factors taking place. I would not be surprised if their knowledge of the Constitution and even of what the rule of law actually means um, is of uh, their reach because uh, Professor Moyes and I know very well the poorest state of legal education in this country, where many law schools don't even teach jurisprudence anymore, and they become legal positivists by default because of their very poor knowledge of legal principles and common law principles in particular. So this is one of the reasons as to why we might be facing the problem. The other reason that might also be so but uh, as Professor Moynes puts put so well, uh, I can't read the Prime Minister's mind, is that he is using the premiers to advance his own uh, agenda. It's quite clear to me that he's either ignorant of the Constitution, so uh, unqualified for the position that he currently occupies, or he is using the premier to advance his own agenda and giving to himself an excuse in the process by saying that he has nothing to do with the suppression of rights because this is being now carried under his watch as the national leader by the local rulers, uh, the premiers uh, across all the different jurisdictions in Australia. Let's see if we can squeeze in another couple of calls. Carol is from Tasmania. Hello, Carol. What are your thoughts? Uh, Hi, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts, Carol? Good. I'm just. Um, my feeling is that um, that your book should be sent to all the state premiers and the prime minister, and pray that they yeah. would read your book. Um, and mm-hmm. also, to what what you were saying, um, I believe that um, that you should write to them with uh, your knowledge, um, and um, 
hopefully that they would um, get an understanding from what you were saying. But I feel that, yes. that um, what you were saying, um, the state premiers and the prime minister needs to read um, your book. Gabriel Mullins, I'm sure you wouldn't mind uh, people getting a hold of the book, putting it in the hands of their, not only the leaders in their states, but uh, every member of the parliaments of our states and federal. I I would obviously be happy if all the politicians would have a copy of our book. However, they would have to pay for it. I'm not going to give it to them (laughs) for free. (laughs) Okay. Carol, thank you so much for your call. Let's hear from Eric. Eric is in Boulder in Western Australia. Hi, Eric. Oh, g'day. Eric, what are your I thoughts? I have a question. I have a question. Uh, do you think we might be able to uh, remedy the situation with uh, common law, from a common law perspective, using uh, sovereign people's assembly, you know, sheriffs, posses, that sort of thing, if we can get the people together? <laughs> Sounds like a radical thing to do. Uh, uh, Augusto, your thoughts? Yes, um, look, one of the elements for a law to be um, applied or to be enforced is the element of coercion. And the fact that um, a law, even international law, when we discuss international law, we have to uh, bear in mind that the law is ineffective unless um, there is um, a possibility of the enforcement of the law. So if the law cannot be enforced, it becomes quite important to appeal philosophically to uh, higher principles. But um, the fact that the state is the only one that has the capacity to enforce laws makes it very difficult for us to have the common law principles necessarily enforced unless we manage to have a a replacement of the political uh, class with people who has an appreciation and regard to uh, legal principles that we have inherited from, from our forefathers, starting, for instance, with the Magna Carta and the idea that everybody needs to be subject to proper legal proceedings, due process of law, and even no taxation without representation and so forth. And all these uh, legal principles are very important, but provided that the government is operating in accordance with legal principles. But when the government becomes tyrannical, all these discussions about legality are very important for the exercise of the lawful right of the citizen to resist tyranny, but the government itself is operating beyond the limit of legality. So the government is not wanting to pay attention or regard for what we have in terms of our legal values, rights and traditions in this nation. Eric, thank you so much for your call. Time is running out. Uh, Gabriel Mowens, if we're putting a bookend to our conversation today, I think that listeners might hear perhaps that every peaceful means ought to be used to be able to address the issues at hand. And some of that will be in the hearts and minds and uh, within the spectrum of what ordinary Australians might be able to do, like people who get out on the street and be a part of a demonstration. Uh, Peaceful means an an interesting and and powerful way to think of doing this because uh, with a Christian ethic in mind, uh, we're not taking up arms here, but uh, there needs to be an outspoken uh, voice of the people. Uh, Your thoughts for the way that people might respond to some of the issues that they are up against? Well, we have seen many 
protests during the last couple of days. So what the people could do is civil disobedience. But civil disobedience may not necessarily work in this particular context. Civil disobedience uh, means, you know, that people uh, appeal to higher principles uh, which may have been breached by the government uh, and therefore they lead to, to uh, protest, demonstrations, civil disobedience. However, civil disobedience would only ever be successful if it is effective, if it leads to social change. You know, if we are involved in violent protests or even peaceful protests just for the sake of being involved in it, that will not be enough. There must be effectiveness. That is very important. And also, uh, the uh, measures embraced by people must be proportionate to the end. You know, the end, obviously, that we want to achieve is uh, get rid of the vaccine mandates, you know. And we should also uh, be, be, be responsible for, for, uh, for ensuring that the higher principles we appeal to are not incompatible with other higher principles that perhaps the government may want to uh, think of. Augusto Zimmerman, perhaps a final word from you uh, for listeners all around Australia. And so far as our Christian foundations, and uh, we've had lots of conversations that tie in those biblical foundations with the development of the sort of law we see in Australia. I wonder if you've got an encouragement to the Christian community around uh, issues like prayer and uh, the way that they might uh, enlarge their own understanding of the things that are happening at at this time. It's very important because uh, you see in history that uh, the most successful uh, movements have always appealed to the highest um, possible ground, which is the appeal to the deity. Uh, You see the American founding fathers, they were able to defeat an oppressive uh, mighty army because ultimately the battle was decided in the spiritual realm. So I have to tell everyone here that it's not going to depend just on flesh, human flesh and blood. It's going to depend on us calling the Lord of the hosts to actually intervene and in giving us the victory against the forces of darkness and tyranny. Well, we do have to draw a line under our conversation today. And for those who are saying, will he please repeat the name of that book? Here's the book title, and uh, don't be afraid of a long title. Uh, You'll be able to get a hold of it if you Google some of the words in the title. Here's the title of the book, Emergency Powers, COVID-19 Restrictions and Mandatory Vaccination, A Rule of Law Perspective. The two authors of that book have been our guests over this past hour, Augusto Zimmerman, and Gabriel Moens, uh, both professors of law. Gabriel Moens, AM, Emeritus Professor of Law. And uh, you can get a hold of that book, simply Google it, and you'll be able to access that book. Uh, it is published by uh, the uh, the Connor Court and will be available at online booksellers. Uh, is it uh, are articles that you gentlemen have written just very quickly? Uh, oftentimes, uh, when we're talking, Augusto, I'll give the Walter uh, a website, yes. 
walta.net.au. And, of course, uh, there are articles that you can read from Augusto Zimmerman and Gabriel Moens in The Spectator, in Quadrant, and also The Epoch Times. Uh, The two of you, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and uh, your hearts with us today on 2020. Gabriel Moens, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. And Augusto Zimmerman, thanks for joining us from WA. Thank you. God bless you. On the next. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.